Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Beast Pod, the first in 2024 and I'm delighted to be joined in a freezing cold hitch-in by my two wonderful co-hosts. To my left in a very fancy, I'm going to go orange rather than amber jacket, uh, is Charlie. How are you doing this evening, Charlie? Very well, cold, but Mem's got the radiator on, which is nice. Charlie, am I right in saying you're doing dry January this month? I am. What has been the closest moment at a Barnet game where you've thought, I'm going to have to break this resolution because it's just too much? Uh, there, hasn't been, there hasn't been, what, in this so far? Yeah. There hasn't been one, to be fair. I, when we went to Altrincham the other day... I was going to say the first minute at Altrincham. That, that, yeah, well, yeah. They, like, there wasn't a bar in the ground, but I was I was considering leaving to have a drink. But that pub we went to before did a very nice uh, zero-alcohol Guinness. They the did. Draft, so that was they tasty. Did. But... Um, I've not, I'm not, I'm not, I've not been gagging for a drink. To be fair, we've we've not done too badly so far. For me, so it's, it's, been a, it's been a decent start to the year. My sorrows, yeah. Nice. And to my right, of course, is Mem hiding uh, this evening. Mem, I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good actually. Um, you, some listeners may be aware that this is, uh, well, this is a Wednesday. We were sorry, Thursday, sorry, and it's the closest Thursday in the year to Blue Monday, which I'm sure you both heard. You heard just, Blue Monday. That was Monday, just gone, wasn't it? Monday, just gone. Got his name on my uh, arm here, Cliff, Cliff Arnold. Uh, and uh, Cliff Arnold came up with a formula of how to work out what Blue Monday was, uh, which involved basically like, you know, the most depressing money of the year. It's the furthest from Christmas and financial debt and all this mm. sort of stuff. But one of the things he didn't factor in was the forms of fifth tier teams in the English football pyramid uh, as to whether or not they would be having a good start to the year or not. And Charlie, you gave us a little bit of an indication in your intro there that it's been an okay start to the year. The last pod we recorded was in the depths of winter uh, where we were struggling a little bit for form. Uh, we'd gone through this rough patch against uh, Chesterfield, Gateshead, Oldham, etc. But since then, we've seen some real shoots of recovery, some really good performances, um, particularly the Southend games over Christmas. Obviously, the aforementioned Altrincham uh, hiccup, but then sort of bouncing back with a, a win against Dagenham. Uh, and of course, we'll get onto the trophy later on, but we, we march forwards in the trophy. Again. Uh, I guess, like, since we last spoke, your assessment, Charlie, first of all, of how things are going for the Bees at the moment? I think I think you can't complain, really, from where we were before. I think we're top of the form table, I want to say. I think that's right. Before, well, really? We were, we were before Tuesday, anyway. Oh, nice. Five, four wins. We've won four of the last five league games. Um, which what was that the two South Ends a Boreham Wood and, and uh, a Dagenham and a Dagenham yeah, yeah, only yeah. losing to Altrincham Epsfleet draw as well yeah that was yeah before that was before I think but the four, four of the last five we've won so we are yeah we're top we're, we're top of the form table I think um, and yeah I think it's, it's considering what you know where we were at when we had that little blip we all knew it wouldn't last you know so long yeah it wouldn't last so long Altrincham we were we were Altrincham I just thought you know, yeah, it was a poor start, but they they're they're a good they're a, they're good a very side. good side. They're a good side. You look at their goal. We were talking about their goal on the way here. They scored at Chesterfield the other day. Yeah, uh, Con Clark's. He, he's probably the best player I've seen in the league For this season. He was dynamite, wasn't he? Yeah, he's unbelievable. And he's now gone to Swansea, I believe, right? Uh, I don't think he's gone. Oh, he's, he's on. Linked. He's on the way. He was linked. Maybe he's wasn't that a bit of a sh- wasn't that a bit of a ropey ex count though? Uh, okay, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, they Sorry. are. They think they pe- they're one of the they paid for their blue tick. It was a Fabrizio Romano nine or something. Fabrizio. <laughs> Fabrizio Formano. Same account tweeted that Barnett is signing Messi or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Luke Williams is there. He knows how good he is. You never I know. Mean, Mem, you've obviously um, been sort of our tactical expert over the years. Have you... At the start of the form, we sort of said, we were discussing the fact that we maybe been worked out a wee bit. You know, teams have sort of come... Uh, there's a lot of discussion about the high line. Um, and I guess what's changed, do you think, in the last few games? Or is it the case that actually we've had some tight games that went against us and now we've had some tight games that have kind of gone for us? 
No, I think there's definitely been a um, a slight tweak in the tactics. I've noticed. Mm-hmm. I noted that a lot of this run of form, apart from, and interesting enough, actually, I think the Ultram game was one of the games that he was unavailable, but came back with Dale Gorman coming in the side, and I yeah. think having him as being extra security in midfield. Actually, I think the way we've played is very similar. Um, but one thing I would say, which has been very, very noticeable in that time, is Hartigan has become far more di- far more direct with his passing. Mm. He was f- very much sideways, backwards, and kept it really short. But what he's doing is he's mixing it much more. And I think that's... The, I, I personally feel that that's what that's done is it was meant that we've been playing a far more on the front foot... Um, because he's prepared to put balls over the top. And yeah. if you look at, for instance, some of the goals against Bournemouth and some of the goals we scored where we've got Kabamba running over the top. Yeah. And, and, and Stevens, fortunately, walking in their back line, which did help. Yep, yep, exactly, yeah. That was lit. That was pretty embarrassing. Um, literally retired him, as somebody said. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's one of the big things. I think that's been one of the tweaks, having a second man centre mid mm-hmm. playing next to Hartigan and Hartigan himself mixing up his distribution. Gorman's out. The Gorman that Gorman being out is a big loss. I think yeah. he's the only per, he's the only personality in that team and in that midfield who you know has has that Gorman that, that those Gorman traits. And that yeah. Fight, yeah, he's the one. He's the one who gets proper it's, stuck in. It's, it's notable actually. Like we talked about this at the Ultium game where we kind of lost that spine of like. I mean, Walker. We'll come back to that discussion with Walker in a moment. But Walker, Gorman, I think Collins as well. Like you take that spine out the side there. You know, there isn't a massive amount of leaders necessarily. It's not a criticism of the squad because you've got, I'm yeah. sure you've got great leaders like Akimo's, obviously a great leader, and you know, Pritch and so on and so forth. But you do need that real fight yeah. and that grit. Um, but interesting enough, you, you mentioned there, Mem, tactically, the kind of stuff on the ball with Hartigan. But what's equally noticeable is our defensive improvement, uh, at least in the, in the numbers perspective. Um, you know, Charlie, in those four games you mentioned, you know, clean sheet against Bournemouth, against Southend uh, twice, um, and then obviously uh, only conceding the you know in the other win the uh, the one goal to Dagenham. We talked a lot about the high line before. What what, what do you think's changed defensively um, that's kind of led to that stability, or is it again a case that we've just had some some breaks? Let's start with you, Johnny. I just think we were defending defending tighter as a unit in those games. You haven't we haven't seen many since you know the the turn in form. I've not seen many situations where we've been one on one. Yeah. Like we have we were against Newport and we were against Oldham where you know you had Akimo running running back on his own or Alubi running back on his own. Uh we're also playing a bit slightly more direct at times as well, which is allowing the ball to be in our half uh you know in in more situations and more moments of the game. In their half sorry, you mean? In, like, in their half yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah in their fine. half. And Kabamba as well, I know he works tirelessly anyway, but Kabamba defending from the front is making teams, you know, go long. Yeah. Um, and when we're tight at the back, there's there's no chance of them can, uh, catching us on the counter. Mem, similar things to Charlie you've picked up there? Yeah, but I, I, I actually think that the the, 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 the the mixing up of the possession is actually helping us defend. Um, go on. How, 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 I, is, how, do, how do those two then? So what was happening before previously was because we were being very short, all our passing was very short and we were being very predictable and very laborious trying to move the ball from back to front. What was happening was the teams were able to sit in and set up and then spring. And then what was happening as well, because we were only playing with Hartigan in centre mid, um, and because we were because that teams were able to predict where the bar patterns of play were, yeah. it meant that they could trigger presses, trigger and then and then attack us, and then there would be nobody in midfield to basically mm. to, you know take players out or or you know counter the counter. 
But what I think is happening is by mixing it up, teams can't set themselves and they can't predict the, our patterns of play. So by doing that, it means it's very, it's very difficult for teams to spring uh, like press. counter presses yeah. and things on us. And I think th that's what's happening. So now teams don't know where. If they come and press, Harkin's ready to go over the top. And if they don't press, then we'll play short. But what's happening is, is that whereas before it was a bit obvious, we'll just sit and we'll sit and wait for them to misplace a pass and then we'll go. Yeah. So it, it definitely has become more I diverse. think we're far more balanced as well as players like Riesel Johnson and Coke are coming back. I was going to say Riesel Johnson, just let's pause on him. I mean, he's yeah. one that's really seemed to have thrived since his return, Charlie. 100%. And you've got when you've got an out-and-out out right wing-back with pace, power, and someone who, you know, wants to attack, you see you see him making overlap runs. It's very really noticeable. And you've got players like Hartigan who can pick out a pass. But I think that makes us um, way more balanced on either side, you know, having a natural right wing-back and a natural left-back, left left-wing-back. Left wing back. It just keeps it, you know, as a, as a tighter unit as opposed to... I don't know, playing someone who's not necessarily a right wing back or right wing back, like Canu fitting in there or whatever. Or even last year, when we, I mean, even Cropper, I mean, Cropper, I think, is can definitely play right wing back. I mean, let's just, again, touch on a couple of individuals that have sat in this run because I think, from my perspective, there's been some real good improvements, but they've also been a lot of tight games. Like the South End game, you know, certainly away and the home the home one was won quite late on. The away one was a, a you know really good performance. But again, there were a couple of decisions that perhaps if they'd gone the other way, I'm not saying they were clear errors, but if they'd gone the other way, it would have been a different story. I also felt the Dagenham game, there were quite a lot of ropey bits defending. I mean, we could have been in 2-0 down. And obviously these things tend to balance out a little bit over the season. I do believe yeah. that, but it's not the case that we've gone, with the exception of Boreham Wood, to, to winning really comprehensively. Yeah, A couple of players that have stood out though, definitely, I, th I think Cropper coming into the side, I know he came in a little bit earlier, Massive seems player, to have yeah. a, a bit of a, an impact with those long throws and so on. Um, and Hall Johnson. Is there anyone else that stood out to you, Mem, a little bit? Because we were saying before that some players like Brunt and Carney in particular felt like they were maybe a little bit tired in need of a rest um, or is it a case that you know we just kind of seen that I don't know a bit of spark come back into the side just in general I've been really impressed with Maguire Drew is yeah. it Maguire Drew yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Maguire I've been really impressed with him um, he's an interesting one because he's a sort of player that you kind of if you play him I, I like what we've done with him so I just roll I want to roll back slightly on this because sure. I think what's important we're talking about the, the wing backs we've got one wing back who's tearing up and he's always attacking the back stick but Coca sits a lot and what I think what's happening is Barnett are doing is parking their two wide players there so we can stretch the pitch out. But what we're doing by doing that, we're bring, drawing out their players to come out and come and, come and take press them. And then it creates space in that area in the two number 10s because we play with two number 10s, don't we? One, on, like, one in the and left the box pocket. Midfield, essentially. Yeah, yeah, and one in the right pocket. And what it's done is it's pulled players out to then allow Brunt. And the idea is supposed to be, it should be Idris, really. I'd like to see Idris in those little pockets. And gives them, it's given them more space um, to do that. And I think what Maguire drew is probably the reason why he's he's, he's kind of flattered to see in other clubs is he looks like a winger, but he hasn't got the pace of a winger. But what he has got is the delivery. And by us playing him in those little pockets, it means he's closer to the goal and he's not having to do the whole taking on a player and he can get in those pockets and he's, create. He's, he's, I mean, if you think about the assists he's got in the last few games, Altrincham, I believe, yeah. was that assist for Carney. And then if you think about Dagenham, his his sort of quality really has opened up, Charlie. You must be, I mean, must be buzzing with he's him. He's so good. We always, we always knew about him. We've been linked with him for ages. But like he's just, like you say, he, he got the assist, uh, got one at Boreham Wood, got uh, the one at Altrincham. And if you look as well, Pritchard's goal at Altrincham. It was his cross. It was it was um, keep a flap tap. Maguire's Rue's cross with his left foot that keep keep a flap to Pritchard. He's just got you can just tell he gets the ball, he's oozes class, like he's got an eye for a pass. He's got a wand of a left foot. That what left foot's ridiculous. The cross he did 
um, at home to Dagenham for, yeah. for Brunt's winner. I know it came back out, but um, yeah, he's, he's such a good find. And I think, especially with Pritchard being injured, I think he's still out, Gorman's out. It's a huge opportunity for Maguire Drew to get a, a run of games and, and, you know, him and Brunt being in that number 10 or him instead in the number 10 to, you know, really light it up. The thing, the thing about the, the whole situation with Maguire Drew is that is really good coaching. It's really good identification because what, realistically, what you're looking at when you're looking at a player, especially an attacking player, is you want them to play in an area that hurts, hurts teams. Like, for instance, um, Dean Brennan recognised that when Kabamba is running the channels and things like that, he's, his goal scoring drops like a stone. When you when he plays in the, between the goal, you know, in the between the goalposts, and he stays there and doesn't go out to the channels, he scores goals. And what he's clearly identified with Maguire Drew is if I play him out really wide, he's not he's not going to impact the game as much as if I play him, try and play him in those half spaces and try and get him closer to Kabamba or closer to the striker. And it's good look because Yeovil weren't fussed about losing him. Yeah, and we've brought him in, and he looks. It looks a world beater, doesn't he? Mm. It's, it's, I think it's a really good point because I think at this level, there's a real tendency to focus on like stats and like say, let's get a goal scorer. Who do we need someone who scores lots of goals? But I think what Brennan's done consistently is identify players who are undervalued in other systems. Mm. And because this, I think all levels of football are systems driven, but particularly this level, like off the ball, etc. Like so much of it is about system, system, systems. Like, you, you know, there's look at the players that have been previously, I think, undervalued Pritchard's a great example like what club in this league would let a centre midfielder go who's going to get you 16 goals a season yeah. I'd then definitely say even players like Collins like Collins is a centre-back appreciate our defensive record's not been brilliant but he's a centre-back at Dover when we picked him up who had the worst defensive record in the season so you might think oh gosh let's look at this like filter get your Excel sheet out filter by these goals conceded I think what they've done is a really really good mm. job on that by any metrics Collins isn't one that stands out because if you're looking at stats pure stats with Collins He's not. He's only six foot. He's not the tallest centre back. He's not the quickest centre back. Yeah. But he reads the game so well, and he and he and he and he. He's starts, a real gem. He's and a he gem. starts those part those moves because he's so good on the ball. And what's interesting enough, actually, on that point is that like the one signing that we kind of introduced last year through a data lens was Diara. I remember someone saying, I think it might have been Brennan saying, Diara had the most clearances or like the fourth mm. most clearances at, at Woking in the league. And there was a couple of games like South End away last season where he was really brilliant. But actually that stat alone isn't enough to justify it. It's the same even with, yeah. with Ben Nugent. You know, when he was brought in, like he had like the best heading percentage, which was, I don't know quite what he was doing, but he could just imagine <laughs> sort of like Do picking you... the ball up and throwing it to himself, giving him a penalty and casting it as a header. Oh, please don't, let's can we not mention that guy's name again. But, but the, the point being is that like, I think it's a massive credit to the coaching staff because identifying undervalued players on a tight budget is always a real skill. One thing um, I've noticed from the last couple of weeks is we all know, you know, we've got a team now that actually want to be here and fight. But the, you know, the two South End, two South End games stand out the most. Going there, a couple of days after their takeover, yeah. in front of a sold out Roots Hall, to come that, they're, they're a good side. To come away from a two, with a 2 0 win, like, you know, I know he always says it, but the togetherness, we have got a team here who want to play for each other and are fighting, you know, they're fighting to get results. And something else that stood out for me, South End at home, we won the up. They went, um, there was a bit of a fumble in the box and we had Walker saved a shot and then it got cleared off the line and yeah. someone's trying to side netting. If you watch them highlights back, Aluwu, Coca, Kabamba, Pritchard, I think Walker's there as well. They're all like grabbing each other's necks, you know, pushing yeah, each yeah, other's, yeah. like bigging each other up as if we've just scored a last minute winner in a final. Yeah. Like that is, to see that is just quality and you know 
yes, we're going to lose some games. Yes, we're going to go on another probably another poor run. But you've got a team there who, you know, they're all fighting for each other, and we're we, we, we've got a team to be proud of. Particularly, uh, you know, in front of the South End fans. I think I actually watched the South End highlights on their YouTube channel. It was just a shot of their fans for the ninety minutes. Just legends, all of them, <laughs> just incredible, like martyrs, really. Those guys. I also um, think as well. Sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but. I think the next three league games on paper and the situations in terms of the away travel and where the games sit, Chesterfield at home Saturday, then Oldham away Tuesday, Gateshead away Saturday. I think this is our hardest run of three games we've had this season. Made even harder now that Pritchard looks like he's out, Gorman's out. You know, we've got got players, Marvin Armstrong comes to mind. He scored two on the weekend. He now, this is his opportunity. This is his opportunity. I'm actually going to be really interested to see how Marv gets on because like to some extent, when we try and go toe-to-toe insofar as we try and match the style of Gateshead and um, Chesterfield, we just get taken to pieces because Mm -hmm. they are just better trained in their system and better technical players. But I think having Armstrong, I'm assuming he'll start in those games, like in there will just force us to play a different style because he's got really great attributes, but one of them is, is not... You know, he's not a technical player in the sense that others are. 100%. And also just on Gateshead, don't expect the team, don't expect it to be the same team he played at home because I think Lofthouse, their unbelievable right back who caused us nightmares. He got recalled by Barnsley and now Mike Williams has got him at MK Dons. They've lost their centre mid to MK Dons. Their goalkeeper, Arch, Archie Mayer, he's gone yeah. somewhere. They've lost But they're, they're, they're still at home in particular, they'll still, they'll still be good. Oh, they'll still be great. They'll still be great. But we'll, we'll get on to the next few games in a moment. But one thing I, I really want to touch upon is the goalkeeping situation because uh, this was something that caused a little bit of discussion on the way up to Altrincham and then in mm-hmm. the pub at Altrincham and yeah. then on the terrace at Altrincham, um, particularly after the first minute. So just to summarise, for those of you that, that don't know, obviously we've had our goalkeeper Laurie Walker, um, who's been our number one um, for, I think actually played every single game last season, I believe. Um, and it was unbelievable, uh, simply put. You know, I think I, I maintain my view he was a difference between finishing, uh, you know, in the playoffs and mid-table. We've then seen the signing of, of Josh Keeley um, uh, on loan. Um, Republic of Ireland's international links there in the youth squad, new setup, and he's come in for the last few games. Charlie, before we get into the kind of ins and outs of whether it's the right call and what do we think, like, just what do you think Brennan was thinking with that decision? Was it was it based on perhaps some of Walker's dip in form that he had towards the sort of November December time, mm. or is it a long term move towards this kind of goalkeeper needing to be able to play with their feet? And yeah, I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on where you think it's come from. Yeah, I listen. I think I firstly foremost I trust everything Brennan does, and I'm very vocal about that. I just think no one's irre- no one's irreplaceable. No one's guaranteed going to have the number one shirt forever, right? And if you've got a... Obviously, Gilmore, Gilmore is a that's, a... that's a future. You know, that was a future signing. That's one for the future. He's probably going to go out on loan somewhere. So realistically, Walker knew deep down, whether he likes it or not. And Walker's a friend of the pod. I love Walker, by the way. This is nothing against Walker. But he knew somewhere deep down that that was his shirt, right? And, and there was no one challenging him for that. So I think what I think Brennan's done is... He's brought in another goalie who's obviously well-respected at his level. He's an under-21 international. He's brought him in to challenge for that spot. And listen, Walker has been unbelievable for us, right? I think I even put him in my my best Barnet 11 when we did the best 11 pod. He's made some unbelievable saves, single-handedly arguably won us the game at Southend at the Hive recently. However, people's, you know, it's easy to forget, but he is, he has made some huge, huge errors this season. And I don't know whether that's because 
he's you know knows he's number one and there's no one to challenge him or whatever but he's he made some huge errors you know Oldham and uh, Newport and I know that Brennan said that him and Connor Smith sat down and the coaching team and looked at the highlights and they thought that 16 goals that we conceded this season could have been prevented yeah I, I think it was yeah just to kind of yeah pause on you, I, I think what's interesting about Walkies, he's a phenomenal. I'm coming to you in a moment because I know you've got a lot of thoughts on this. Like he's a phenomenal shot stopper. He's a great leader, um, and I get he's had a couple of errors this season. I think what and I, you know, I think also no goalkeeper looks good on a goal that goes in. Does that kind of make sense? I think yeah. it's very easy in retrospect to sort of slice and dice and analyze that. And I also think if you're applying that 16 goal metric, I think you could probably find a, a similar number or a reasonable number of goals that have been prevented right by really good goalkeeping this yeah, season of course. as well yeah, yeah. I think the interesting thing to me was about the timing of it because he had come off the back of like he, it seemed as though he got through that rough spell like he kept three clean sheets in a row over the Christmas period and again obviously Boreham Wood was a bit of a write-off but the South End games were tight games where you know he needs to be on it the South End home game he was excellent I thought back to his kind of usual best so I guess to some extent it's like maybe he is being brought in to challenge him, but it does seem like the decision being made around the Ultracombe game was like, no, he's Keely's our number one. And that does seem to be like one of those positions, a goalkeeper, where you kind of need clarity on it. I know like Arteta's trying it with Raya and Ramsdale, like, oh, we're going to have two number ones or whatever, but it never works. Like, they always just go back to having one. So I'm just like, I guess I'm just curious as to like whether you, to what extent as well do you feel that that decision is about Walker or is it about the, the Keely stuff? Because I do feel for Keely as well, he's come in yeah. and like, you know, it's a difficult thing for him. Like he's a young guy going into dressing room where you've got a real popular, charismatic leader mm. who's been you're ultimately replacing. Like, to what extent do you think they've looked at Keeley's assets and said, actually, this is just you know, even if Walker was playing quite well, um, or like had kept up his form that he had last season or whatever, like this is a good asset because he's got a lot with his feet, for example. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Timing. If you look at the timing, it could have been it could have been poorly timed. He came off the back of really good form. We went to Altrincham. It was a cold winter's day. First day of the new first day uh, first game of the new year. The pitch was terrible. And for a, a goalkeeper who you want to start, who supposedly has is good with his feet and good with passing, it wasn't the best of pitches That's correct, yeah. to do that on. Uh, so yeah, that is an argument. That was probably, you know, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, we, yeah. Walker could have started and we could have lost by even more. Who knows? Or we could have won. No one knows what would have happened. However, I think in this situation, yeah, he's been brought in. Uh, he's Irish. So Brennan and Smith obviously know him from, from Ireland. Uh, he's highly respected by Tottenham. And... Yes, he came in at a difficult game and we lost, but we weren't at it. It wasn't. It was nothing to do with Keeley. Yeah, so there were no, there were no errors. Nothing there. to yeah. do with Keeley. We, we we weren't at it at all. Um, started a Dagenham game, and he didn't put he didn't put foot wrong. I know he didn't have much to do, but I thought his handling was brilliant. His decision making was brilliant. It, this is the, actually the thing you say, right? It's interesting enough. Is that I think towards the end of the game, I was I, I was sitting like near Ishimem, and I remember there was one corner that he came for yeah. towards the end where he came and got it. I think there's a lot of that preventative goalkeeping that's yeah. really really valuable. And it was huge. It, was, it wasn't even you know it wasn't even at it no wasn't point like little, was I yeah. worried that he was yeah. going to drop it. Where he, he became it's almost like he flew in the air to catch that. And I think Charlie's his agent. <laughs> he give he does give us something else. When when Walker Walker's on the ball, we're a possession team. When Walker's on the ball in that situation, or his decision making in, in you know in that situation, I do get quite worried. And some of the saves he made at South End were from errors from his kicks that didn't clear, you know, twenty yards. Yeah, that's that's um, a fair point. So I just think trust Brennan. He's you know Brennan's taken us from rock bottom to top three. In two years, just over two years, right? Trust what he's doing. If he thinks this guy is it, Keely is it, we've got to trust him. And I feel like he, I feel like it was a good decision. He's made a good decision. And it looks like Walker's probably going to be off. Yeah. It's, just, it's the, a shame because he's such a likeable guy. He's a likeable guy, but that's football. It's yeah, ruthless. It is, it is. You know, it's harsh. It's a harsh Man, your, your thoughts on the, on the whole thing? 
I think I think Brennan's been ruthless, really ruthless. But at the same time, I quite like it. I love it. Um, the the fact all right, the fact is is that I think last year we didn't play such a high line, and I think in a, a team playing closer to our goal with a back four playing close to our goal, you just need a shot shot stopper. And Laurie Walker is an amazing shot stopper. But what we've noticed this year, and and I, and, it, and actually it happened before some of those games where where like for instance Newport where he made that ricket at Newport. For me, the big flag for me was Wildstone, the last minute winner where he got pinned uh, in front of his goal and a guy heads the ball from six yards into the goal. I think for the that was I think they've been mostly, I think that's a harsh one, man. No, because I think he wasn't strong enough. I think I think if he if he wanted to come for that ball, he'd have come and he got pinned. It was, it was, I, know, I understand what you're saying because I was at that Wilson game and I remember saying it and I think I was standing next to Ben or Trevor or someone. And like, if you look at the, there's a side on video, which if you like, there's some like Wilson vlog guy um, and like he vlogged it and it is it, like the guy heads it from like the, you know, the like, it's like nine, it's nine or 10 yards out. It's not like on the goal. I know, I know. Anyway, carry on. Be unfair. I'm I, I, I think I personally think that yeah. if that like Keeley was coming for those, and I think that's what I want. I want an Fair. aggressive goalkeeper. I, per, my personal opinion on on the situation is probably like you said. They've got Connor Smith and Dean, obviously being Irish, have got some intel on this guy that's coming through. They know he's at Spurs. They know probably have, maybe had a look at that, look at him in, in the reserves, and their opportunity presented itself where he needed. They wanted to get him out on loan Spurs, and they've gone. It's now and ever. Yeah, and if we bring him in, we've got to do it properly. And they've probably looked at, and I know I've heard sort of rumblings that basically there has been conversations with, and actually I think he's been open about it in public as well. Conversations about his kicking under pressure, and the feeling is is that Laurie is gonna the way we want to play. Laurie's gonna have the ball at his feet a lot more than um, he's gonna have previously. Than previously. Yeah. Now, where you like, for instance, a good example is if you watch Liverpool. When they play, when they build in that back three, Allison comes to the right of Van Dyke. So Van Dyke, so it, to make almost like the four at the back, a four at the back in the passing move. I've started noticing Keeley starts doing that with um, the centre back. He comes comes to the right of the centre back, so that the right yeah. centre back can push on. Yeah. So tactically, what they're doing is adding an extra an, player. Yeah. yeah, to create exactly as a sweeper defender. Yeah. yeah, and what Dean Brennan does, Dean Brennan, every manager has spotted. It. I've noticed that other managers have said this. Dean Brennan is everything about overloading teams. Yeah, yeah it's just, everything's about his overload. Yeah. So, and also the other thing as well, what I noticed with Laurie is his starting position always. So if you want to play a high line, you can't have your goalkeeper standing on a six yard box. And Laurie, as soon as he starts coming out, out and out, you can sense that how uncomfortable he, he is. He loses confidence. You can sense it. Yeah. He, doesn't, he doesn't like being out there. And I think the key to it is, is, it, is if you're playing a high line and you want to mitigate the height against the, against the ball over the top, you need a goalie who's going who's gonna to start early. And that's the reason why people yeah, like David Raya, Allison, Edison, all these players are all, are all valued so highly because they'll start out there and they're quite happy to get the ball down, pass it and start a move. Mm. Whereas Laurie is panicking and doesn't, and he's hacking stuff and, he, you yeah. know, and I think that's it. And also what it does is it, that, that uncertainty it was spreading, I think, on our back. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true. I, I think, and as sometimes with goalkeepers, it does become like a self-perpetuating cycle, like the loss of confidence like or a lack of confidence somewhere can lead to a lack of confidence in lots of places. I do stand by what I said though, I think to yourself at Altrium, which is that and it's very easy to be Captain Hindsight and I do trust Dean ultimately yeah, and, and Connor. But I do get the sense that like there are a couple you know, I don't think we concede and Akili I think it's been excellent, but I don't think we concede those 
first two goals, Altrincham, if, if if Walker's in there, the first one where that we switch off from a goal kick because Walker is very good at organising the back. You know, we never could see the goal like that in, in a year and a half where we were just switched off from a free kick and they, they took one early. And the second one was where he basically just got bullied at a corner. Like he literally got pinned. Like it was a foul, but he just got fouled. I do trust Dean on it though, and ultimately, I think it's hard. It's just harsh. I just, I just like Walker, um, and that's, I like that's, Walker that's, that's well. why. I like Walker. But you, so you said about him getting pinned, but since then, his his no, handling I, 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 yeah, from corners yeah. and crosses been is it's unbelievable. unbelievable. And we're forgetting, like, it's easy to go. Oh, this twenty-one-year-old has come in, it's hard. never played men's football before. This kid plays for Tottenham. This kid plays for Spurs. Antonio Conte took him on the twenty twenty-two preseason tour when he was nineteen with the first team. To wherever they went, he didn't come Asia. up for the youth systems either. They bought him. They in. They bought him. Like we're talking about, a, a, he's probably what Spurs' fourth choice keeper. If the three goalies from the first team went, he'd probably be number one. I know that wouldn't happen, but would would Walker? <laughs> That's how it works when you're number four, mate. Would, 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 <laughs> put it this way: Would Antonio Conte have taken Laurie Walker on a tour with the Tottenham first team? This, pre- is, this is reaching the relative of I'm inc- just saying, it's just, now. this like this guy's. I mean, Conte guy's, might have done. Everyone's turning their nose up at, uh, at Keeley. But not been funny. Keeley didn't have a save to make on Dagenham at Dagenham. What's to say if Walker started? Walker might have had to make six, seven saves because of the way we were playing. Yeah, the way we I, play I, allows us to play in a way that we actually having less action on our goal and less action on our goal is less opportunity for them I to agree. score. I agree, and I think it's, I, I said that it's all about this difficult stuff to measure. Like the, it's about preventative stuff, like goalkeeping. So much of it's about preventative yeah. stuff, and I think you're right. Like sometimes exactly what you were saying there, then was spot on. First of all, in the system of like how, you know, we were playing close to our goal last season and therefore in theory needed a better shot stopper. But also ultimately, like in some cases, you need to have a shot to save to be a good shot stopper. And if you could find a way of preventing that shot in the first place, it, you know, that that's Keeley that's good. Oh yeah. I, I think ultimately it's, it's one of those it's one of those situations where like two things can be true at once. Like it can be true that Laurie Walker has been a brilliant goalkeeper yeah. for Barnett and a fantastic shot stopper what? and is a great guy. It can also be true that Keeley has been good. And what I have noticed and I would not expect anything less from Laurie, is that like, I remember after the Orchard game, that game, he was, he was straight up around him, him, talking to him, yeah. like giving advice, like, and I think that is a sign of like real humility and real leadership because to be fair, of all the players we've had over, you know, the 18 months at the club, he would be one, I think, him and Kabamba would be, the maybe Pritch would be the three that you could kind of, I know it would never happen because of the quality of players I'm talking about and the personalities I'm talking about, who you could kind of like say, hmm, like they deserve like yeah. a bit of a support through a rough 100%. spell. 100%. And I think that's testament to his character. Testament to his character. But one thing I don't want to see now, and I've seen what I think could be glimpses of it, I want to see him fighting for his place again, right? I saw he put something on Instagram after he got dropped, this quote, something along the lines of when stuff doesn't work out, you know, blah, blah, blah. Almost like he was crying at the situation. He then uploaded a... I think he actively went out his way to upload a photo of him in the gym on Saturday when we went to Radcliffe. He clearly hadn't been put in the squad or whatever. I just don't hope this is... No, that, knowing Laurie, that's not... I hope it isn't. I hope it isn't. I hope it's not crying even, even, look, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And I think everybody reacts to things differently. And personally, I probably would be a little bit like that, Would but where I'd be a bit like narked. Yeah, of course. Initially. What is he, 33? He's got a 21-year-old come in and just take his spot. He's been first choice for a season and a half. And the fact is, he's got. he's going to be fuming. Of course. He's going to... Look, there's nothing... There's the, the the thing is, like you said before, unless you're playing in the Premiership where the pool of players that can improve your side is tiny, every player in this team is replaceable, and and it, and, and if you can get incremental gains in every single position, you are gonna your team is gonna get much much better. Look, the fact is also what this does as well for our team. It puts a massive rocket up every single player's ass. 100%. So, so every player knows they cannot rest on their laurels. 
They because look at what's happened with yeah. our goalie, who's player of the year or whatever. And I think that's what Brennan's done. And I think everyone needs to stop looking at it in a negative way, right? Get excited about it. We've got a twenty-one-year-old kid from Tottenham, right? Who's come in and is just taking it by the scruff of his neck? Yeah, I, I'm I, so excited to see what happens in the next. I, I don't think season. I've ever seen you as excited about any player ever, Charlie. <laughs> because it's it's good, and I like the fact <laughs> um, I like the fact our manager. It's not just him, but I like the fact I'm excited about our manager having the bollocks to do yeah. that to one of his closest. He's been with him everywhere, Hemel Hampstead, all over the gap. I, I just yeah I I, I I'm agree. Happy that this I has agree. Happened. Yeah, I agree. Apparently, you, you were on the see. phone to LA last night to like the hotel just asking <laughs> about how how great no, Keely was at like pick up his plate at breakfast. It keeps things at the club exciting and it keeps us reminding us that we've got a manager who's not afraid to make bold decisions and that's what I want on my team. Yeah, and, and I think, to be honest, the one thing that I, I think you kind of know, but you really learn it, is that recruitment is just the most important part of running a club at this level. And we know how good Brennan is at that. And he, we, yeah, he is the best. He's I genuinely think he's the best in the league. Yeah. I, I guaranteed, not guaranteed, because I can't, I can't, I've got no proof to this, but... Connor so Smith, you can't guarantee it. So Connor Smith... <laughs> Connor I Smith, can't guarantee. I can't guarantee. <laughs> well, we know, we know Connor Smith listens to us, so, you know, slide into our DMs and tell us whether we're not true or not. But I'm pretty confident, that's probably a better word to use, I'm pretty confident that this deal or this move... Has been in the in the workings for about a year. I reckon this has been identified just, ages ago. This 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 um, just, just a point on that. It's actually quite interesting. So I guess part of the thinking we we'll go back a couple of years now to when we were talking about Ryan de Havilland, and we I think it was when Mem and I had that interview with the original interview with Dean, and he was saying that he'd identified Ryan as a player that was good. He, I think he brought him in his first season, Dean, and then he sent him out on loan for yeah. six months. And he's very much as you was like, there's you know there's a bit of a pl- you know you've obviously got your immediate planning like we need a player now, let's go get him. But then you also have like a longer term plan of like bringing players in, et cetera, and like, you know, thinking ahead to next season and so on and so forth. I guess this does open up a couple of questions, though, about like, do, you know, what this feels like a kind of a, obviously a short term move insofar as it's a six month loan. Like, do you think this kind of changes the calculus to like what he might be thinking the end of the season wise as well? Or do you think we, we're not even looking that far ahead? It could be a ahead? bridge. Uh, it could be a bridge. For who? So, look, Brennan, is, it seems to have... Like he's got, I mean, he's got, he's got a trusted team around him. There's four of them, okay, and they're all. So, from what I understand, is the analyst spends hours and hours every day just looking at players, looking at stats, looking at players' videos, and then finding the best ones to give to Dean to show to say which ones do you like, and then they monitor them. So that's what I've been told that you know that's what happens. Now, he potentially might already have already earmarked the next goalkeeper. That is going to be able to play this way. Yeah. But in the meantime, let's get. If you've got a lone goalkeeper with similar attributes, yeah. it's low risk. Low risk. It means the Spurs are like, well, yeah, it's great. He's got to get some adult football in him. That's good for his development. Who's to say that this loan doesn't become another year after this? If this isn't a bridge, it might not even be a bridge. It might be a case of saying to Spurs, let's see how the first six months go and then we'll do another year because he's still only 100%. 20. It's 2021. Yeah. He could do another two years here we on loan. I mean, I think Charlie, Charlie has him in his starting Spurs team next year, though, <laughs> so I don't know if we'll be able to get him back. Let's just say, let's just say, touch wood, I'm not tempting fate. Let's just say we stay in third or second, we get to the playoffs final. Let's just say we go up in the playoffs, right? How how juicy is that for Tottenham to go? Oh, we could. He's going to be in League Two this season. Yeah, That's a yeah, season yeah. long loan in League Two. And, and to be fair, actually, like I do think that loans have changed so much over the years. There's a much, much tighter focus now on loans, that you know, compared to where they were like ten years ago when we get players in and they wouldn't play necessarily for ages and ages. So, do you know? Do you know one another thing as well to add to this? To add to this point as well, just to build on this even more. 
Barnet evolving into this style of football makes us far more attractive to teams in, uh, in the Premier League who play this way to send their players to us. Now, for we, I can't remember who told me, uh, who's mentioned this to us, but when we had that, that arrangement with Arsenal at the Underhill, how many players ever came to, uh, came to Barnet on loan from Underhill? Yeah. Because they know that you've got Wenger playing, you know, like the tick-attack of football, and then you've got Martin Allen playing kick it long. So there's no, there was no, there's a disconnect. There's no continuity between there, Yeah, those so why would you send somebody to us? But if you're playing an expansive game of football that is very similar to, you know, playing out from the back, playing a high line, and you're playing like Spurs and Art and Barnett are playing the same game, but obviously to a different different standards. Mm. So him dropping into our team means that he is preparing himself for, to play in the Spurs system. So Barnett's evolving into this style of football actually makes it yeah. really attractive to for these good young players from some of these bigger clubs because they know they can just drop them in and and it's ultimately a more sustainable way. So I think you've seen a few teams now that have privileged style above individuals. And I think it's worked really well for them. Like Gateshead being a great example where they're competing well above their budget. I mean, obviously they've lost a lot of players now, so perhaps it runs counter to it, but like building a sustainable system as much as you can at this level is a really good way of moving forwards because otherwise you just you just yeah. chop and change so much year by year. Also being at Altrincham behind the goal, and I know it was his debut and we didn't win, but you could tell, you know, you could hear him. We were so close to him yeah. in the in the first half. You could hear him. He was, you know, brave. He was commanding. And to have that as a 21-year-old coming into non-league and play first professional men's game. No, full, full, full credit to him. And, and like genuinely, genuinely wishing the best of luck. Yeah. Moving perhaps away from individuals and now on to the broader team picture and like, you know, games upcoming. Charlie, you mentioned a few moments ago that we've got a really tough run now with, with these three games coming yeah. up. Chesterfield, Oldham and Gateshead. I guess one thing that stood out to me this season is we've had some brilliant moments, but one thing that we haven't quite done is dispatch or really defeat, with the exception of Bromley at the start of the season, like a big team. Um, you know, we haven't had one of those big wins against a, a big side, like that kind of, you know, oh, like this kind of euphoric, right, we're going to really push on and do it. Um, and yeah, I, I guess, do you feel that we we need one of those wins? Do you feel that there's something that's slightly lacking that we just sometimes you know, get to these big moments then just fall a little bit short? And do you think that... To that end, these three games are a really good test because we had a similar run of these games mm. that kind of precipitated the start of our our sort of rougher patch, you know, in November. Do, do you think that these are kind of quite a good test as to where we are? Or do you think actually these are just three games, let's get through them, and there's a lot more football left to be played, you know, they're just three games for many left? I think they're really tough. I think they're really tough. I think, you know, you can go away, you can have a big win against the team. And, you know, like you were saying, we haven't dispatched a big team. But for me, that 1-0 at home to South End. Yeah, fair. That for me was, I know we didn't dispatch them, but that for me was huge. I mean, South End are, are massive. A huge win, massive club, yeah. takeover, such a good team. Like, they, they they will probably win the league next year. Yeah. They probably will. That's my prediction. If they, um, make, if, they, if they don't make the playoffs this year. If I mean, they that, don't that's make the playoffs this year, yeah. If, if they're in the league next year, I think, you know, they'll win it. Um, that was a big win for me. Chesterfield, listen, Saturday Saturday's a free hit. It's a free hit. I got they're they're unbelievable. They're unbelievable. They've won the league. There's there's no catching them. They've won the league. Um you know, if we beat them, great. That's but that's not you know, we're not beating them to try and catch them now, in my opinion. I don't mean to put a downer on things, but I'm just being realistic. It'd be great to beat them or get a point. I'd take I'd bite your hand off for a point now. Um Oldham, I think they're a much better side away from home. They've beaten us twice at the Hive, back yeah. to back. Uh, I went Oldham last year. You know, I think we've got a chance of beating them again. Yeah. Um, 
And Gateshead, you know, we don't know what's going to happen up there. They were a good side and we've got bad memories of that stadium last year. Gosh. Um, but I think, yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's not make or break. These next, this next week isn't make or break by any means. It's uh, now just about, you know, picking up points away from home, being solid at home and solidifying our spot in that top two, which I think is the main, main goal. Yes, we're, you know, we're... Top three. In the, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the main goal. Yes, we want to get to Wembley in the FA Trophy, which has... It's opened up wonderfully for us, which we'll maybe discuss later. Um, but, you know, top three, get in the top three, get that home game to get to Wembley and then to, to compete, to get into League Two. I think that's that has to be the one and only priority. Man, what are your thoughts on those on that kind of uprunning, little tricky run of games then? I think that, that all those games I thought were very similar in the way we got the way we got dispatched. I think Oldham, like you said, Oldham very much played a counter-attacking game. Yeah. I think Chesterfield didn't. We, I, I think, on a on a different day, we could we could have caught. It would have been a different game. If, we, if I think we'd scored early or we'd scored yeah. first, it would have been a different game. I think yeah. If I think we scored one of our chances, I think that would have been a different game. And actually, we'd have probably been able to play a game. Where we could try and pick them off, then mm. pick them off instead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the. Um, I, I, I look I look forward and I, I think to myself, okay, well, I think I feel like we've started to sort of work on things that were that were were a problem, and I and I'm I'm, I'm a bit more confident that coming back into this game. I'm actually quite confident it's Chesterfield at our ground. Like remember last year, Wrexham and Notts yeah. County came to our ground. They really and they, struggled, and they struggled. I think, and we battered Chesterfield three 0 as well. Yeah, and I and I kind of feel like that if if they come to our ground and we get on top and we 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 take our chances, then then it'd be a good game. I think it'd be a draw to be honest. Um, my feeling on it is that actually I think third might actually suit us because if you look at the playoffs it goes fourth to seventh I think that Southend could sneak in at seventh and I don't want to play Southend in the playoffs would that, um, would that what the seventh seven, yes the, the bottom two, the, the lowest seed plays the second if that makes sense no, so there is an incentive to finish second seventh plays fourth yeah and then the winner of that plays the winner of that then plays, plays second, second yeah. I see but so, I mean, it's it's so we're getting into like Gareth Southgate England tactics. No, now. I know I know what you're saying, but my point is, is I think the South End are close enough to sneak in at that seventh place. Yeah. So I so so to me, I kind of feel like actually he might be all right playing, um, you know, uh, play, being Philip finished third. But either way, we should be trying to finish as high as we can. Apparently, the players still think that they've got a chance. They think that Chesterfield might might. Yeah, I was chatting. Out. I was chatting with Zach recently. Chatting yeah. with Zach Brunt and. You know, that's what you want to hear. He still believes. They still believe. I, mean, I, we I can do catch think. Them. I do think. If, again, I think the, the the best comparison for Chesterfield, aside from Wrexham and Notts County last year, because I think they are there in terms of quality, is like in terms of the psychology is um, is like our title winning sides of uh, fourteen, fifteen, and even oh um, four, oh five, where you're out on your own so much, you don't have that team pushing you on. Like, do we really think that Wrexham and Notts County would have got one hundred fifteen points or whatever it was last year if they if, 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 if they if they didn't push each other the whole way? Does that make sense? It must be really hard for these guys to like you know get that up for each game like internally even though they got that hurt of Wembley to get there like when you got a 10-15 point lead or whatever I know they haven't had that one moment but like not every game matters as much well I actually made this point in a previous pod in a previous beast pod remember we said when we were second and I said look if they get them those ahead actually I think they could falter because it is but it's, they are they are amazing they, I mean, they are to, so good teams at the top who put, pile on these ridiculous number of points usually have somebody right up their backside and at the moment there's a massive gap so Look, we lost four games in a row, okay? What's to say they don't lose three or four games in a row and then all of a sudden a game on? If, it's an injury, if, a red if, card or something. If, you, if we want that to happen, we have to win on Saturday. Yeah, true. Yeah. If we, we, if we win, I think if we beat them Saturday, it's nine a nine-point gap and they'll have a game in hand. 
which is which is a lot right man with your table there it's currently, th- it's currently 13 points. So it'll so be 10 points with beat points. Them, And is that with one game in hand? Yeah, I think that they've, they have a game in yeah, hand. Yeah, they've got a game in hand. If we beat them, it'll be 10 points behind and they'll have a game in hand. That is still asking a lot. But two defeats for them but and two wins I, for I, us. I also maintain that, like, and I, you know, we've had so many great memories with Bren over the last two years. I just think in the... And it's so easy because obviously we haven't been promoted. So, like, every game is the biggest one until you lose it. So that kind of makes sense. Like, you, you go out at, like, you know, the highest point. But, like... The Gateshead game away in the trophy and then the Boromwood game at home. Like, we we still haven't had that one. Like, if you would say, what is the signature victory of Dean Brennan's time at Barnet? It's it, like, there have been quite a few, but there hasn't been that one standout game. Like, actually, let's just ask that question out. Like, what do you think? Great question. Because I, I actually think my answer to that is the first Boromwood game in his first season, which we sat next to each other at, man. And they, we won 1-0. And we really went for it. And that guy who plays for uh, Gregor Cox scored. That for me was the sign that he'd really got the players on side and they were playing a different way. But if you would say, what is the signature standout victory of, of the last two years? What what would your answer be? You could say maybe the Chesterfield game, the 3-0 at home. But even that game, and I, I think it's a great win, but even that game, that scoreline did not, it's a bit like the Chesterfield game that we had this season where like the scoreline didn't necessarily reflect the reality. Was, was, wasn't it, didn't we play away with where Cabamba scored that outrageous goal with the outside of his right Yeovil. foot? Yeah, but bear in mind, you've got relegated to that season. So I'm not, I'm I, not like shooting this down. I'm just no, saying no, no, like, where, right. where is the standout win? It, it, it that, yeah, but you know what? That game, the reason I picked that game out, for some reason in my head, that stands out as a game where we went, we were just going away and it was just one of uh, one of a, a batch of games where we were going away. Like, I think that's a different game because that, that year game was in August. That was the second game, the third game. Of the I think you might be thinking of like Oldham or like um, might have been Oldham so or like it was, it was a period. I tell you what, for me, where things have changed so far is I've always like we've always done really well at home under Hill Pitch or even under Martin Allen. We always had good games at home, especially when we're in the league. But we always seemed to falter when we went away up north or somewhere like Far Journey, and we always did badly. And for me, the different change and the, the, is the fact that we go away, and obviously the song Barnet always win away. You know, we win away. Is it's come about because we're now going to places in the far flung part of the country, and we are coming back with three points. Which, as far as as a Barnet fan, yeah. I I don't remember many. Yeah, it's many it's very true. Wins. Even under that Allen like going up to you, I remember like losing at Grimsby and like you yeah. know you lose up at those northern grounds. Do you know what? Just not sorry to cut in, but just no, go on. the question you had. I have to say that that when Brennan took over from Kuehl that season, where we were still in rebuilding mode, we got absolutely tonked. At home by Chesterfield, Wrexham, and Notts County. Yeah, five nil, four nil, and three nil. Four one. One of them was four one. I think. Ch- I remember which is Everton scored in the last minute to make it four one. I think that might have been Chesterfield because I remember the, yeah. the, the Wrexham one. We lost three nil. Yeah, we lost three nil, five nil, and four one. Let's say I think it was that. But last year, um, sorry, this year, no, last year we're in twenty twenty four. Last season, beat Chesterfield three nil. Yeah, a couple of months after on telly. Drew drew nil nil to Wrexham, yeah, and then drew one one to Notts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those three games, considering six seven months prior, we've been absolutely torn apart by yeah. them. That for me, though, that, that, like those three games have showed me. But what what I would say then, I think about this Saturday and the and the Chesterfield game this Saturday is that winning that game is more important for us psychologically than the title race. So yeah, that makes 100%, sense. I agree because with you. if we can get not that monkey off our backs, if we can say like we've gone to a big game. 
against the the top side because we didn't beat Rexman and Notts County last year. And again, I'm I'm really not. It sounds like I'm massively downplaying things that we're doing. I'm not. I just remember that Chesterfield game. We were we were very lucky to be in nil nil at half time. And I remember like I went with my dad. He's like a very negative Barnet fan, right? He's very like cynical. Last week, one nil. No, it's. It was 1-0, sorry. It was 1-0, sorry. Apologies. Yeah, yeah, but the there. point being is it was quite a tight game yeah. and they were in quite a rough run of form at the time, Chesterfield. So yeah, I'm not downplaying it, but this is a great chance. If we can beat Chesterfield or if we can go to Gateshead and appreciate the area on a slightly different run and win, like or even Oldham who are on the up pushing for that playoff pace somewhere, it just puts that... I think even South End last season was another big one, but like it just means if we can get one over Chesterfield, it means that there's not really a side in the league that we should really fear. Yeah. yeah. Because obviously we beat in Bromley, we beat in Woking. Okay, let's see how Gateshead goes. Absolutely battered Bromley. That yeah. was the biggest battering of... The 2-0. The, 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 honestly, we absolutely dominated. Yeah. I mean, they, they were missing quite a few. I mean, I'm not... And it started season. But I'm just saying, the point is, like, there's no one in that league I fear. Okay, I think Southend, you know, if they get into that playoff zone, it'd be very difficult to genuinely, yeah. like, as much as we take the piss out of their fan base. But, like, the point is, like, there's no one in that side that I've... You know, Gateshead, everyone was a bit worried about until things recently if we can just if we can get a win against Chesterfield and a win against Gatehead which is a massive ask then there's no one in this league we should fear like genuinely and that's not just like we always say it but genuinely there's no one we should fear I agree I agree I completely agree at the same time I don't think it's the be all and end all even if we you know picked up one point out of the next nine I don't think it's the be all and end all but I do agree psychologically I just think second or third right and you were saying about finish second there's an advantage of playing seventh I believe, and I think I've mentioned to you two before, and I've speak to this with my brother and dad a, a lot, I absolutely despise Tuesday night games at the Hive. I think they're cursed. I, whenever we play Tuesday night at the Hive, I never, ever, ever fancy us. Newport, Oldham this season, Boreham in the playoffs last season, I never fancy us, haven't, haven't for years. If we finish second or third, right, we skip the Eliminator, which is a midweek game, that Eliminator. And the semi-final Sunday. is on a Sunday yeah. afternoon or a Saturday afternoon. Gateshead vibes. Right? I don't care who it is. At home on the weekend, I think we can beat anyone in that league. And that will take us to Wembley. And then who knows what can happen at Wembley. We just have to finish in that top three. If we don't finish in that top three, season's, season's done in my opinion. We won't, we won't go up. It's to be difficult. I, I think, yeah, it's very difficult for sides to get through both of those those playoff games to get there. There's a lot of sides that win the first one and then the turnaround to have the second one. I do get that that's a superstition, by the way. I'm not saying yeah, that's, yeah, that's a, fine. You know, it's just dawned on me that I could sound like a nothing. Charlie's two passions I are... I do think, yeah. Josh Keeley and the weather. <laughs> and the weather. Just, um, just, just as we kind of come towards the final 10 minutes or so, we, you mentioned there, Charlie, about getting to Wembley. There is another route of getting to Wembley, man, and it is the FA Trophy... Uh, obviously, a two-one win away at Radcliffe uh, on Saturday with Marvin Armstrong scoring two goals, and actually could have had a hat trick based on the highlights. Mm-hmm. Had a few good chances. At what point do we start taking the trophy really seriously, or have we already? I think we have. We I, have. I think we have. I think to be honest, the only reason that people like Marvin Armstrong was playing was because we're a bit down to the bare bones and, no, and I, Ben Winter. I was thinking more as fans. I, I, maybe, maybe I'm out. Of oh the yeah, yeah, but but you've got to look at what's left in the trophy. The fact that Chesterfield have tossed it off. And played a reserve side um, suggests that it's, it's game on. There's no, like you said, there's no shouldn't be like the best team in this in our league is not in the is not left in the trophy. So why shouldn't we? Um, why shouldn't we make it all well, go for the, it? The, 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 here's an interesting case. There's a reason that Chesterfield been. I mean, obviously, but Chesterfield have been to Wembley a few times. So it's slightly different for them than for us. Yeah, but yeah. like, I guess the, the the reason to bin it off is the fact if you think okay, let me put it this way. I think I asked a similar question last season. And we just want a yes or a no, and then we can expand it. So I'll come to Charlie in a second on this. So, Mem, would you rather make the playoff... Sorry, would you rather finish second, okay, and get knocked out of the trophy, or finish fourth 
and make the final of the trophy? Depends what the outcome is of finishing fourth. You've got to answer the question, I'm afraid. You're in the eliminator on a Tuesday night. Uh, yeah. No, you, you, you Probably against Altrincham or Oldham. You've got, you got to answer it as I it would take. I would take the FA Trophy final. Charlie? Listeners, Charlie is scrunching up his face. I'll take the FA Trophy final. Okay. Go I, on, Charlie. I think, I just think, right, we're in the last 16 now. Am I right? Yeah, last 16. Yes. Yeah, we are. Yes. There's 10, there's 10, not, there's 10 step two sides left and we're one of only six National League sides left, right? To put that into perspective, last year's semi-final, so we're talking about the final four, was four National League teams. Barnet, Gateshead, Ultrium, Halifax. We're in the last 16 and there's only six. One of them is Bromley, one of them is Hall. They're the two really that, frighten me a little bit but I think this is we said last year we'll never get a better opportunity right next year it's come round I, I think this is even more open and it's hilarious how one weekend can change everything no one was talking about the FA Trophy last week no one even was no one was even talking about saying. it at all and then Marvin Armstrong. Oldham get knocked out against Hendon and Chesterfield get knocked out against Welling the whole the whole mindset and the whole conversation changes and the Monday was what? Blue Monday? What do they call it? The yeah, press Blue Monday. Monday. Blue Monday. Cliff uh, we, Arnold. What's his name? <laughs> Cliff Arnold. Cliff Arnold. Well, he gave us he gave us a joyous <laughs> he did. draw. He we, did. We go to Welling. What are they? Fourth bottom in the yeah, south? Yeah, but you, how Barnet would it be to lose to Welling? It would be. But I think we'll have enough. And then we're in a quarterfinal again. And we all know what happened at Maidstone last year with the penalty shootout. You win the quarters and you're one game away from Wembley again. It's never been more open than this. We could do the double. <laughs> this is what he was saying in we the car. We could do the double. We're not doing the double, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's there for the taking. It's there. It's there I, for the no, taking. No, no. I, I, FA Trophy playoff final. That would be double. nice. FA Trophy playoff final. Well, that's, that's I, I, back-to-back weekends at Wembley. Can I also say, I've already booked them out. Can I, can I also say, I, and I say this Charlie on my way up, like, I reckon I would rather go to Wembley. Obviously, I'd rather get promoted. But like, if you knew the outcome, you'd obviously choose the playoff final. But if you didn't know the outcome... I think I'd rather go to Wembley on the trophy because it just seems like a nice day out. You can actually enjoy the experience. If I was there for like a playoff final, I'd be just yeah. so, it'd be like, I'm trying to think of those big games that you have where it's just horrible. You're you know right. those games. Like even Gateshead away last season. Like I was just, I was almost like, I'm hugging you. I was going to watch. If we got to Wembley, let's say we got to Wembley for both. If we lost the FA trophy final. It's still be a good day out. We wouldn't, no one would really be that upset. You'd go, what a day we had. If you lose a playoff final, everyone's in tears. And it puts a bit. It's, you know, it'd be so bar- it'd be so barn. It gets two play- Wembley finals both. and losing both. <laughs> <laughs> Did we, we lost. Have we ever won at Wembley? Not in seventy two. Yeah, we've 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 lost in seventy two. We've never been to Wembley in my lifetime. So I, I think even Boreham would have Wembley. been to bloody Wembley. They but lucky. they did bottle it. They had a, they had the worst experience. Everyone, I am I am an optimist. You know, I am more than more often than not. But I honestly believe this. I honestly believe we will go to Wembley this season. I honestly believe that. I don't know what I don't know what in. I don't know in the playoffs or the Ever Trophy, but be, what I believe but also by law of averages as well. We Char- have Charlie. I'm confident that that might come true, having seen your preseason predictions. Yeah, let's quickly touch on those because uh, <laughs> I mean, Charlie, I I, I, I can't I've, get the graphic up right now. I've come out on top. Go on. So just quick I, I summary: had Chesterfield to win the league. Fair. 
You haven't come out top. I'm pretty. Chesterfield to be I think mine and yours have both been eliminated. Kabamba to be top goal scorer. Okay, it's two. My dark horse, and this wasn't a dark horse to win the title, but this was for a team who I thought could turn it around and they haven't done ever before. It was Oldershot. They are the definition of dark horses. Hang on, hang on. Can I just double check? Does 10th count as dark horse? Hang on. How many games in hand have they got? And how many points no, it outside does. the playoffs it, I think it does. It does because... They've got one game in hand. One game in hand. They're just outside the playoffs. They, they were in the playoffs. They, they weren't made the playoffs. But the point they is... I'm not sure 10th can... I'm not sure you can have 10th no, no, no. as a had. All the have had, I think, uh, like the season that we had last season, they had an unbelievable season. They also had... they. Like seven and a half away at Swindon or something. Yeah. Do you remember that? And they, they've had a great year. And, and they are, and everyone, re- I put them in the relegation. I mean, I'm the world's worst. I just think it was a good shout. Yeah, it is. It's good. Anyway, man, seeing as you're very confident in your shout, can you want to tell us about yours? Who have you, who have you had? Well, I've got Bromley Dark Horses. Which I think is ridiculous considering they That's finished. That's not because who's they who's won the, thought they were going to be won, second? They got, they got to the playoffs semi-final. got to the playoffs semi-final last year. Yeah, but who predicted they'd be second? Nobody predicted they'd be okay. second. Right, so that's a dark horse. Oh my god, sorry to interrupt you. I've just sort of remembered one of my other predictions, which wasn't on the graphic, but I said in a pod that Woking won't be up there. And you also said that South End game wouldn't go ahead. I did. Sorry. <laughs> it nearly didn't with the ticket situation. We no, it, it no you're ahead. scratching heads at Charlie. Come no. on, let's, 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 Benny, you've had, you had a great run. You oh, had I, a think, I, feel, I still think my Ben Winter might. Is tell come. us, tell us your awful predictions then. Go on. Uh, I think I had Idris top scorer. <laughs> I had. Dominic Redfern to be the breakthrough <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> breakthrough player for Hampton, maybe. It was a whole had, but I still think my Ben Winter might come. Uh, I said we'd finish fourth, so we're third. So it's, you know, it's up in the, the balance. It's in the balance. Um, Where do you say we finished? Charlie? Although, to be fair, we're nine third, points. Third. We are nine points clear of, uh, of fourth. So I think it's unlikely that, um, I think it's unlikely we'll probably, I think we'll probably finish third if, if we don't. And now, and now for the and now for the main okay. event, everybody. I, 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 Ian, remind us your ones. We're out of time. Give us a little, uh, give us a little reminder, Ian, of so, your your predictions. I d- I, you know what? It's actually hard to order them from worst to worst. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> but okay, we're okay. here to help. Okay, <laughs> don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> the one, the one that is going to, I think, become closest is Barnet to finish seventh, which I think. And even a, that is a bit, yeah, it's off. a bit ropey. Okay, uh, <laughs> title winners. Hartlepool. Hartlepool. Can you just... Can Remember, you still scroll, remember still scrolling down the iPad so, to find 16th, them. 16th, Hartlepool. Hartlepool, 16th. How, how many points outside the pl- uh, relegation? They're on 31. They're four, be, point, they're four points off relegation. Currently got an interim manager. To be fair, it's about the Hartlepool one. They had a great player. He got injured on the on the third day of the season. Mancini. Oh, the Mancini, He's a yeah. good player. But I, I'm, you know, anyway, he's not that good. So that's, that's, that is an abysmal shout. Uh, Dark Horses. You saw the table up. Yeah. Uh, Ebsfleet. 21st. <laughs> All right, so Ebb Street are fourth bottom, four points behind Hartlepool. So the title winners and the Dark Horses are and then I think, flirting with the bottom four. I think the, the, the most notorious one is um, my hot take. And I feel really bad because I love Nicky Cabamba, even though he's a Boston Celtics fan, is for um, yeah, is for Nicky Cabamba to not score 10 goals. 10 goals. Which I think he completed in <laughs> September. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first month of the season almost. I think it was. I think it was the, I think oh, it was either the end of August or end of September. All right, question if question for end of August. And he's now on twenty two in all competitions or twenty four. He's maybe. got three is it three hat tricks he's got? Oh, two hat tricks. Unbelievable. Question for Beast Pod fans, um and reply, you know, in the replies. Um I uh, can you put in there aside from Ian's Kabamba hot take, um can you think of a worse prediction that anybody's ever made? That's a really unfair question. <laughs> I can't. 
I can't. I genuinely can't. No, no, without Ian's uh, hot take on Kabamba, other people's bad predictions. Like bar, bad Barney predictions. That, that, that def- I mean, I think or I've got bad a few predictions in Tweet, you know what you should do? When you listen to this episode, tweet, tweet us with your predictions that have gone awfully wrong over the years. Um, can you can you think off the top of your heads of any that like any shouts on players that you think you've got wrong? Like, are you someone's coming in and thought, oh, they're not a good player, but they turn out really good, or, or Dan vice Sweeney? Versa? My mind has to be Dan Sweeney. In what, in when what Sweeney direction? came in, I absolutely hated him, and I actually Carlisle at home. Do you remember in League Two the year we went down that Kindy missed a penalty? It was Tuesday night. I can't remember. Kindy skied a penalty. It was that game. Sweeney was playing. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Kindy was playing centre mid. It was before he got moved to centre half because that's where he really started to shine. And I shouted, I, I walked down before the end of the game, I shouted something to him and he looked at me and like gave me the finger or like gave me, gave me a, a face. And about two months later, he'd gone into centre half and had absolutely been smashing it. And at the end of one of the games, I went like that to him. I went right up to the halfway line as I was clapping and I pulled him over and he came over and I gave him, I gave him a hug and I said, I want to apologise. I was the guy shouting at you. And he shook my hand. He was like, no, it's fine, mate. You have a right to. I was like, you've been absolutely unbelievable. And now he's yeah, playing fair. in League One. Fair play. Um, Mem, any any of yours? I thought Ashley Carew was going to be a really good player. <laughs> <laughs> that, did you see that before you saw him? or, or I saw him in pre-season and I thought, I like the look of this guy. He's, he's quite a skillful centre mid. He did score from the halfway line. He did. Yeah. Did he score from the halfway line? Chesterfield at home, first on, game of the season. Uh, yeah, from yeah, the yeah. Free kick. Line. It was a free yeah, kick. Yeah, yeah, I remember it. Can, we just, can I just say one thing? I know we're finishing soon, but yeah. just on, on Ian's... Uh, we've been discussing in, the, uh, in our Bees Pod WhatsApp group we are hoping, Nikki Kabamba, if you're listening to this, we'd love you to do it. But Ian has decided, and we've all agreed that uh, it's a suitable punishment, suitable punishment for Ian disrespecting Nikki Kabamba's goal-scoring ability that much that at the hive at the end of the season, Nikki Kabamba is going to shave off Ian's hair to a skinhead. <laughs> A, a one all over. It would have to be a one. I, I think it depends what job I've got at that point. Maybe on the Wembley pitch. <laughs> a, two, a one or two all over. End of May. Yeah. Kabamba shaving Ian's hair in the hive. Come and watch if you fancy it. Yeah, perfect. Uh, guys, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on as usual, despite the uh, last five minutes, which can only be described as institutional bullying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for joining me. It's been really good fun chatting to you both. And um, at the moment, we're kind of actually doing a decent job of getting a pod out a month. So this is our January pod. We'll try and get one in in February. Maybe a good time to perhaps reassess in three or four games time after the, the, the run of three games. Um, before we sign off, Mam, are you going to you'll be there on Saturday? Or you is it? No, it's your there's a there's a birthday party going on, isn't it? Yeah, my son's birthday party. Which which is, you know... But it's it's 5.30, you can maybe pop it on on BT it's on Sport. It's on BT. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've been watching BT. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I might even TNT. be able to get to the game, depending on when, it, when things wrap up. But anyway, we'll see if we can do that one. But I'll definitely be going to the next uh, home game after that. Charlie, I still haven't managed to talk you into Oldham away just yet. We would t- I'm trying every single time I'm working on him to get him there. Yeah. Uh, if we win on Saturday, maybe. Maybe, maybe. But as I said, Oldham, I, Oldham last year, I don't want my memories from that solid. day to go. Uh, gates it away <laughs> nah, not, 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 not a chance never want to go back to that place in my life uh, well guys this has been brilliant having you on um, thank you so much thank you to listening everyone and uh, we look forward to seeing you at a game very very soon up the bees Start.